0: who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, am also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Was in the Isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit. On the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia. And unto Laodicea. and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength and when i saw him i fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not i am the first and the last i am he that liveth and was dead and behold i am alive for evermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand are the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So in verse 19 we have what the book's telling us all about. Telling John to write the things which thou hast seen. That is this glorious vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1. And the things which are, which is the church age at the moment, the seven churches. And the things that be hereafter is from chapter 4 onwards, after the church is raptured, Great judgments are coming upon the world. So that's a good little key to the book. Now we see in this vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I can say this, a totally different characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes? And why we see this difference. Let us remember that the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And in these chapters, he's got a lot to say about the church and its light bearing and its testimony to him. He's seen here in a judicial capacity. For us, we see him now, don't we? He loved us, gave himself for us. He loved the church, gave himself for it. He's ascended, he's in the glory. He's the son of man in the glory. He's the great high priest in the glory. He's interceding for us in the glory. And he's coming for us. He's coming again to take us home into the Father's house. But what we see, what John sees, it's a different Christ, yes? Judicial in character. Revelation is a book about judgment. Judgment on the world to come. But also judgment on the church. And 1 Peter 4 tells us, Judgment begins at the house of God. If it begins there, what's going to be the judgment of those who are not part of that house? And that's the whole of Revelation 6 onwards it's all about judgment apart from the the Lamb's marriage and the New Jerusalem the rest of it is judgment so it's a book of judgment and there's lots of comparison you can see in it so we're going to see in months to come Ephesus loveless church. They left their first love. Then we're going to look at Smyrna, the persecuted church. And usually when there's a decline in the church, like there's a decline in Ephesus, the Lord brought in a great persecution against the church. And there's nothing like persecution against the church, which makes those that are true and the faithful stand out from those who are not. So persecution is like a a cleansing out of the bad. Then we have Pergamos, which is a compromising church. It's tolerated evil doctrine. Then we have the corrupt church, which is Thyatira, which many commentators will reckon unto Roman Catholicism. Then we have the dead church. Sounds awful doesn't it? The dead church. Sardis. Which many liken unto the Reformation. Now the Reformation was wonderful isn't it? The Reformation brought us the word of God. But the the (laughs) Reformation did not go far enough. And that tells us that in scripture. They fell short. right? So the good work was started, but it fell short in many ways. Then we have the faithful church. And this is the one we like to put ourselves in, isn't it? We all like to put ourselves in Philadelphia because it was the faithful church. And the Lord had nothing contrary to say about the church of Philadelphia. Right? He had somewhat against all the others but Philadelphia he had nothing bad to say to them and also to, to Smyrna he had nothing bad to say to them either because they were being persecuted. And then we have the last one the lukewarm church which is Laodicea. And we read there that this We're going to take this in really seriously. The Lord says he will spew it out of his mouth. Very strong words, aren't they? He's outside the door. Apostasy. So, the revelation is also a prophetic history of the church. Because we're still in the church age at the moment. So it's a prophetic history of the church, unfortunately of its decline, till at the end it spewed out of the mouth of the Lord. That's how bad it gets. And when, we, when John sees this picture of Christ, what does he see? He sees the Lord in the midst of, of the candlesticks walking in the midst. And he's judging, isn't he? And you'll read about it on each one. He says, I know. Those you know, little words he says. I know all about Ephesus. I know all about Smyrna. Etc. etc. I know. Nothing can be hidden from the piercing eyes. Of the Lord Jesus Christ his eyes were like a flame of fire that's judgment nothing can be hidden from his sight he's judging everything that he sees and for that it's, it's most of the churches Yes. another solemn fact is five of these churches are called to repentance there's another strong word isn't it Such is the state of the churches. They're being called to repentance. Repent, this is what the Lord is saying. Now each church, in its introduction, you'll notice each church gets a category of the Lord or what what the Lord sees in Revelation 1 of the vision Is applied to each church. You'll see that. Thus saith he. Then he adds to it. And what he's adding to it, his eyes are a flame of fire, etc., etc. And each church has a different one. So it's specific to them. So this glorious person he sees, that's been impressed upon each assembly in a specific way. There is some minor changes towards the end of the other churches where they say something that's not seen in this vision but still very much applicable to the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. Each church has a promise for the overcomer. And the overcomers are those who are the faithful and the true to the end, yes? they prevail, they triumph unto the end. So the Lord has encouragement for the overcomers. And we see sometimes the saints within the churches that are really bad, some of them who are separated unto God, they're trying to maintain faithfulness in the midst of the rotten churches. And they're brought into special attention as well. So each one has a promise to the overcomer. And towards the end we see very touchingly it talks about the Lord's coming. And that's very precious for the church today, isn't it? We must not forget the promise of the Lord's coming. And this always reminds me of Thessalonians, is not it? Because Thessalonians are so exciting because they were all excited about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were waiting for him. They were expecting him in their time to come. You know, they were so enthusiastic and they had this certain hope of the coming of the Lord. And towards the end of these things, we get that here as well. Even Thyatira, it says in 2 verse 25, But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. right? And he says in verse 24 But unto you I say unto the rest in Thyatira as many as not this doctrine which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak I will put none of the burden upon you but hold fast till I come as the promise of his coming to these faithful in the midst of Thyatira. Remember that's corrupt church. He also says further down doesn't he 3 verse 11 Behold, I come quickly, hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So there's twice, hold fast, I'm coming, yes. There's another one in chapter 3, verse 3. Remember therefore hast thou received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch. They should be watching for His coming. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I shall come upon thee." So the Lord threatens that church with the judgment of the world, because He comes to the world as a thief, as it were, in the night, not to us. <laughs> so He's threatening them with that, but he's telling them to watch, the Lord is coming. So all these precious things we can gather from all these seven churches in different ways. But we'll go into it, obviously, in much, much more detail as we come to it. But Jesus is seen here in 1 verse 5, the faithful witness, the true and faithful witness. Israel was a witness to God and his glory should have been, Israel failed miserably, to be a witness for God. The church is to be a faithful witness to God. And when you look out there, it's called what we call Christendom, which is the Christian profession throughout the world. Uh, and if you look at it in detail, it would make you feel very sad at what's been seen in Christendom. You know, somewhere way off the mark, far from it. You get things like the Church of England. Right. State connected to church, <laughs> which is what our good friend Constantinople, um, not Constantinople, it was. was his name again? <laughs> Constantine. <laughs> Roman. Yeah, that was that was his fault. Const, Constantine liberated all the Christians in Rome and throughout the Roman Empire, and given back their rights and everything like that. But it was joined to the state. So. You can see clearly in the Church of England that they're so political. They'll get up and give a political sermon. It's not what we're here for, is it? It's the gospel and the light of the gospel we are proclaiming, not politics. Well, that's the church and state for you. And we don't want that, do we? We're separate from the state. Many people think Christians shouldn't be in politics. I'm one of them unfortunately (laughs) Uh, uh, but having said that I know that in the House of Commons there is Christians at the House of Commons who meet together you know meeting together and praying together which is good that is good but I still question can you be in politics the way it is and there was one Welsh man wasn't he? he had to resign eventually because his faith was totally compromised he couldn't go on any longer in the politics and he left for that reason so that's the sort of thing we're facing with in the whole of Christendom but Jesus is the faithful witness isn't that wonderful his faithful testimony faithful right to to the end faithful to us as well He's the first begotten of the dead. Wonderful, isn't it? Prince of the king of the earth. That's his coming glory and the millennial kingdom. We can look forward to the millennial kingdom. We will see that with our eyes. John saw the millennial kingdom, didn't he? With Peter, James and John. They saw him transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the glory of his coming kingdom. He didn't fall at his feet as dead then. I <laughs> yeah? that was an awesome sight, wasn't it? But in chapter 1, he's falling at his feet as dead. The one who leaned on his breast at the supper, whom the Lord loved, he's falling at his feet as dead. Unto him who has washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. And then we got, behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye shall see him. And some won't be pleased to see him, will they? (laughs) When he comes to judge. And they which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Beat upon their breasts, that means they will wail because of him. I am the Alpha and the Meagre, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. And this vision that we see here, if you relate it back to Daniel chapter 7, we see a similar vision. We see the Son of Man coming before the Ancient of Days. And remember Jesus is the Ancient of Days as well. He's the eternal God. And the kingdom is given unto him. So whenever you read Revelation, you've got to read Daniel as well. Because it all fits in with both. And then obviously, we've, I've mentioned before, in the book of Revelation you see things are loud. <laughs> Great voice, loud voice. Everything is loud. The voice of the trumpet is loud. Yes? John heard the voice, the loud trumpet. And the trumpet noise is summoning, isn't it? It's getting your attention immediately. That trumpet sound. There was a trumpet on Mount Sinai, wasn't there? Blackness and darkness and the trumpet getting louder and louder. And it says Moses feared and quaked before the Sinai, that sight that he saw. Wonderful, we have not come Mount Sinai (laughs) we're not there we've come to Mount Zion the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem to a numeral company of angels etc etc it's all light and glory for us so we see Jesus in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the son of man And you often think about that, don't you? You do think about that, don't you? He's a man. He's God. The eternal God. The ancient of days. But he's a man. In the glory. (laughs) Wonderful. It's his title as well. The Son of Man is in the Gospels. It's a very much recorded title of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a garment down to the foot. Now normally if he's serving in grace... The garments is raised up, isn't it? So they can serve. He's not doing that. He, his garment is to the foot. He's standing in a judicial capacity. He's got a golden girdle, which is righteousness, isn't it? His head and his hair is white like wool, as white as snow, the ancient of days. And his eyes are a flame of fire which sees everything. His feet like unto fine brass as they burned in a furnace. Again, brass is judgment, isn't it, in Scripture? Furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. And out of his mouth went the two edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. An awesome sight. But he says to John, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore, and of the keys of hell and of death. So we're going to see that Jesus in the seven churches, who he can commend, what he can commend, he commends. Yeah. But Then, as he goes on, you're waiting for the but. <laughs> he commends them for this, that, this, that. But then he says, "I have against thee." We do this in education, at work, in teaching. You know, you, if when you're bringing students up for simulation and management of cardiac arrest and things like that, and you look at their performance, you bring out all the good things first. Yes, so you, you don't drop them down in the <laughs> and say that was a load of rubbish, go away uh, and hope you're not treating my mother <laughs> uh, but you, you build them up, you encourage them Right? you did that well, you did this well um, but really you need to do this <laughs> and perhaps it's better if you did this so you build them up but you do reinforce what they need to do better this is what the Lord is doing, isn't it? In which much more judgmental way. Building up what he can, but then getting, telling them, I have against thee. And we're going to start, in, in maybe three, four weeks, won't we? start with Ephesus. And the thing with Ephesus, they'd left their first love. The Lord Jesus took that <coughs> very seriously. They're doing a lot of labour. Doesn't say labour of love though. Thessalonians it says labour of love. They lost their love. They're losing their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose as we read these chapters we can look at it in an individual way as well because it always as you read about the churches, you can search your own soul individually. We're looking at the spiritual state of the church. You can also look at the spiritual state of ourselves, can't we, through what we read. We can do self-judgment ourselves, which would be good as well. And perhaps sometimes needing repentance (laughs) as well. So it's good to look at these things, yes? Yes? and what he can commend and what he can't commend about us and we're going to ask the big question what about our church or our assembly here what would he say to us what would he commend would he say I have against thee (laughs) would he say you need to repent serious question. because he knows <laughs> he knows all about us in this assembly as well as everyone all across the world he knows where we are spiritually he knows our spiritual state he knows if we're maintaining a testimony of light for him He knows how much we love him or not. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. So, we're going to leave it there. And so that's what we'll see. We'll stick specifically to Ephesus next time. Looking at the specifics of all of Ephesus. I hope you're not too depressed about what we've just (laughs) said. But it's the truth, you know. (laughs) That's what we see out there, unfortunately. Uh, But we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord, isn't it? And just, He's coming for us. He loves us and He's coming for us. And we're waiting for His coming. And we need to be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ to the end. Yeah. And we need His grace for that. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank Thee for the revelation which Thou hast given Thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we do thank Thee for the great love that Thou hast for every one of us. And we do thank Thee that Thou, in our lives, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And again, we've been reminded as Revelation reminds us, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And we pray we might be, have a listening ear as we continue our studies in thy word. We thank thee for the glory of thy person. We thank thee for the glory of thy coming. We thank thee for the word we have in our hands. We thank thee again for our spiritual hope. And we thank thee again that we are children of God. Give thanks in thy precious name. Amen.